Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and envision the opportunities these trends create. We help them elevate the quality of their leadership and transform their organizations to build sustainable success and impact. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. And I am also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted to bring to you recorded live at the International Leadership Association Conference 2019 in Ottawa, Canada, whose theme is Courage to Lead, a series of interviews. Next, you'll hear Cynthia Cherry, the president of ILA, to introduce the conference, and then I'll be back to introduce our guests. International instability is only getting worse in today's world, and it cries out for a need for leadership. Hi there, this is Cynthia Cherry, President and CEO of the International Leadership Association. And the ILA has its mission to advance leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. At this year's global conference in Ottawa, our theme was Leadership, Courage Required. And it was a gathering of 1,200 professionals from around the world to discuss, share, and explore the latest research, teachings, and best practices in leadership. In this series, ILA fellow Maureen Metcalf is the host of the 2019 series. And you will hear from corporate leaders, political leaders, and the leading scholars and teachers grappling with the complex issues of today. I hope you will join me in exploring these complex issues in the 2019 series. With me on the show today is Mary Crossan. Dr. Mary Crossan is a distinguished university professor and professor of strategic leadership at the Ivy Business School, Western University. Amongst the most highly cited researchers in our field, her research is on leadership character, organizational learning, and strategic renewal, and improvisation is published in the top management journals. Developing leadership character is a culmination of the team's research on leadership character. With the Second City, she developed a management video entitled Improv to Innovate. Her textbook, Strategic Analysis and Action, is widely used in strategy courses. She works with organizations around the world on developing and investing in leadership character. So in this episode, Dr. Crossan describes what leadership character is, why it matters, and how to develop it. She will explore how leader character fosters individual well-being and sustained excellence in organizations. Excellent elevating character alongside competence is a new frontier for leadership. So welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted you're here. Let's talk about how you got involved in leadership character, leader character. 
So in 2008, with the economic crisis in full swing, at the Ivy Business School, we did some introspection and said, mm -hmm. what were the failures of leadership? How were we possibly culpable in what had happened? Mm -hmm. And then put some ideas together in a white paper mm -hmm. that we shared with uh, leaders around the world mm -hmm. in uh, focus groups where we said, here's what we think went, went wrong, and here's what we need to learn from it. Help us, tell us what we're missing. Okay. And in those meetings, the piece that struck us is that they kept talking about character, uh, something we hadn't anticipated, but the problem was they didn't know what character was, there was no agreement, and most people thought you couldn't develop it. So even if we could define what it was, there was some concern about what would its relevance be if we couldn't develop it in terms of a leadership education. So they turned to us and said, can you guys figure it out? Mm -hmm. So that has now been a 10-year journey. I think what's important to establish out of that origins is that we felt whatever we did, we wanted to be able to elevate character alongside competence in business schools and in organizations. I think, though, we underestimated how important it was in education in general. So now, for example, at Western University, all incoming PhDs in all disciplines would have a character-based workshop. So this isn't just business schools, this is if you're in engineering or biology or chemistry or history, you name it, uh, character is important. So uh, we're pretty excited. So after your research, how are you defining character and is there agreement on what it is? Well, we were really fortunate that in 2008, when we were trying to solve this issue, of course, as uh, academics, we go back to well, what does uh, research, literature, what's the, mm -hmm. the, what's the state of the theory and empirics on character? Uh, of course, we have millennia of uh, writing in philosophy mm -hmm. on what character is. Mm -hmm. We were fortunate that uh, Martin Seligman and Christoph Peterson, who are very noted uh, psychologists, mm -hmm. had already done massive heavy lifting on it. They had written a pretty much a 700-page research book called mm. Character, Strengths, and Virtues, and had used a set of criteria to help identify virtues that transcend cultures, transcend time, uh, could be used, uh, in fact, across religions, hmm. that they had been able to do this particular work and had developed, in fact, a, an instrument that we began to use uh, in organizations and then found that there were some issues that, okay. for us. Uh, their work had been to identify character as it relates to well-being, mm -hmm. and here we were looking at leadership in organizations. So it took about six years of engaged mm, scholarship, wow. taking all the great theory and empirical work on it, but then working with executives to honor the theory, but also to understand how it could be used in practice. And I'll give you a practical example of that. In the work on humanity, Peterson and Seligman had the word love. Mm -hmm. And when it came to organizations uh, trying to grasp what character was, the word mm -hmm. love, quite frankly, was way too threatening. Okay. Whereas we have other behaviors under humanity like 
empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. No problem. So what we did was adjust uh, some of the wording and the behavior so that we could uh, work with something that was credible mm -hmm. in organizations and wouldn't be really set aside simply because there were some, some tweaks and things that had to happen to it. So six years later, we had developed a, a framework uh, with 11 dimensions of character. The 11th dimension is judgment, and that's what Aristotle would have called practical wisdom, and it sits in the middle of the framework, okay. drawing on all of the other dimensions. Mm -hmm. Dimensions such as courage and transcendence and humility, humanity, drive, etc. Sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. One, it's surprising that it didn't exist because mm -hmm. we all refer amorphously to someone of character, mm -hmm. someone of wisdom. So I like that judgment is in the middle. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the common misconceptions about character? Well, I think the first piece, and I because it comes, uh, character comes from, uh, is derived from virtue ethics, and uh, people ended up shortchanging it around simply about ethics and being a good person. And that mm. if you're going to be a good person, it would, as they often would say to us, you're operating with one hand behind your back. And what we felt uh, they had missed out of understanding character is that it not only contributes to individual well-being, but sustained excellence. Mm -hmm. So one of the first pieces of misconception is that it's about high performance as well as it is about being a good person. In fact, we, we typically stay away from ethics and morality when we talk about character mm -hmm. because the people end up putting it in the wrong box when they, when they think about why character matters. Uh, if you can picture, uh, and for your listeners, is that we use a, like a normal curve. You mm -hmm. can picture that and that what does it take to operate plus two to three standard deviations from the norm? It is a place of loneliness for people. It's a place mm -hmm. where you don't necessarily have supporters. It's a place of innovation and creativity. Mm -hmm. And it's a place where it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of drive, transcendence, humility, mm -hmm. etc., to be able to operate there. So when we position it that way, then pe people begin to understand that that first misconception is that if you're not operating with character, you're operating with one hand behind your back. It's character and competence working together. I would say that would be the first uh, misconception about it. Another one would be that you can't develop character. So it is striking how many people at first blush think, mm -hmm. well, I was always told that you were whatever it was uh, by the time you were five years old. You had uh, become the person that you are. You were formative. Those are formative years. But boy, I hope that universities are built to develop people. Well, absolutely. And character is a habit of behavior. It's simply habit. And we have these virtuous mm -hmm. habits. So luckily, I get to work with great scholars in the area of exercise science. So we use mm. the um, analogy of uh, if you're going to physically exercise, uh, you know, how many people have mm. their steps on their, uh, on their watch, right? <laughs> Telling them, reminding mm -hmm. them what they have to do every day to build mm. that habit of exercise. Well, we look at character the same way. You can put an exercise plan in place mm. around how you're going to exercise these dimensions of character. So that would be the second misconception. The third one would be that it's all subjective. 
And that one is absolutely false in the sense that good social science is built on understanding how do we define something that we're looking at, what are the observable behaviors. And mm -hmm. for example, for us, we would have a 360 assessment. Mm -hmm. You know, 360 meaning your leaders, subordinates, colleagues, etc multiple people looking at those behaviors and all mm -hmm. identifying whether or not there's strength or weakness in it. I love the idea that there's an objective framework and that people agree on it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the reason I love that is it takes it away from I can't do that or whatever objection one would have that, that there's a framework I can work to and I can build the habits. Mm -hmm. So we know from neuroscience that I'm, I have programmed my brain or it has programmed itself, whatever, that, that I have habits that are, are unconscious and that by being conscious, I can then build humility mm -hmm. or I can build judgment. And a piece, just to leverage what you just said, it, it, it would go even a little deeper than this, is that there's a fundamental underpinnings, physiology, affect, behavior, and cognition that support the development of character. Mm -hmm. So often we privilege cognition mm -hmm. in development, but think about things like empathy and compassion. They have a big affect. Affect is your emotion, feeling, and mood. Uh, and temperance, which is your patience and calm side of things, has a big physiological component. Mm -hmm. So in the development of character, you're looking at developing these big systems while you're developing something like temperance or humanity or humility. Mm -hmm. So we'll use some uh, non-traditional ways, like a music workshop. We know that music mm -hmm. bypasses the cognitive function. Mm -hmm. It can be used to activate your physiology and the affect. Mm -hmm. So you can activate on something like transcendence, you know, that, mm -hmm. that sense of optimism or possibility about things. Or you could activate on something like temperance that makes you patient or, patient or calm. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting that people believe that character is a disadvantage. Yeah, I think that one of the aspects that would be important to, for people to understand is Aristotle described that every potential virtue operates like a vice. His language hmm. was an excess or deficiency. Okay. But what he really meant is not that you want an average level of it, but take something like integrity, that everybody believes, well, you couldn't have too much integrity. Well, if you have a high level of integrity, but you don't have a lot of humility to go along with it, you're simply a dogmatic individual, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a lot of humanity to go along with an, that integrity, or you don't have a lot of justice to go along with it, you've got these principles, and you're mm -hmm. candid, and you're transparent, and you're authentic. Sometimes too much is not helpful. That's exactly. It's unkind. That's this. This is exactly the point. So you don't want to diminish your, you know, that that mm -hmm. volume of integrity, but you actually want to elevate and ensure that you have strength in all of the dimensions of character, so that the integrity doesn't operate like a vice. I think the aha moment for us in the organizations we worked with is that they overweight on character dimensions like drive and accountability and mm -hmm. integrity, possibly courage, and they underweight on things like humility and humanity. And they've created a situation in which they have what could be virtues actually operating like vices. Interesting. So how do you help people bring it into balance? So the development side of things is that we have uh, programs to mm -hmm. develop all of those 11 dimensions of character. What we find is that 
the knowledge, even just, I think, for your listeners, is just understanding what character is helps to bring some awareness to the mm-hmm. fact that humility actually isn't something that's a weakness for people. It's actually a huge engine for learning. Mm-hmm. And so humility in its virtuous state, along with courage and drive and accountability, is just a powerful part of character. And I think partly just becoming aware of the facets of character goes a long way to help people develop it. We built a leadership competency model that was published by the ILA a few years ago, and humility was the first one. Mm. That without humility, I'm difficult to deal with, but overdone, to your point, I'm not going to be respected. And we are finding in every area of social science, because uh, unfortunately we tend to compartmentalize things, Mm -hmm. right? So we've got grit. Uh, Grit is everything, or authenticity is everything. And what we typically find in all of these studies is a curvilinear relationship. Low and high levels of grit, not so good. Moderate levels, good. Mm-hmm. And my, my sense is that it's because we've never understood them in the mm-hmm. full complexity of character. Mm-hmm. Grit would be like courage and drive, the, some of those mm-hmm. things coming together. But picture that somebody who has that at the highest level also needs a lot of temperance and humility to go a lot. Are they going to run people over? They're going to burn out themselves. Mm-hmm. So this kind of complete aspect of understanding now fully what character is gives mm-hmm. us back to the exercise science model, a better understanding of the sort of anatomy of character and understanding how all of these facets work together. So so that you don't have virtues operating like vices. What's also then interesting that, and not surprising, that overdone, I burn myself out, but I also create a business that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. If I'm overly focused on profit, I may tip on the ethics piece, mm-hmm. and, as in Enron. Yes. But on, on other sides, I'm sure they're also true. Yeah, that's, we find that there's a lot of regulators, people in compliance interested in, in this because back to that normal curve I talked about, we're interested in the right-hand side. They're really concerned with the left-hand side, the negative mm-hmm. deviance. Mm-hmm. And there have been $320 billion of fines globally in the financial services since 2008. And so regulators are saying, well, how do we deal with this? Well, we've written mm-hmm. some articles that talk about uh, this is not people with devil horns doing bad things. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is pivot away to understanding that we have people who have weaknesses in character Mm -hmm. leading to bad judgment. And that Mm -hmm. bad judgment unravels pretty fast in organizations leading to a lot of the misconduct that we're looking at. And when I use the term weak character, somebody once said to me, said, boy, that's really a harsh statement. I said, the issue about character is I don't think we've understood the strength of character required simply to navigate day in and day out. And it's not just for leaders and organizations, it's for young people. Mm-hmm. I think any parent would understand if they're developing their kids, they're mm-hmm. developing character, mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know, challenge that they face in the world. We need a lot more character than we currently have to exercise the judgment that we're looking for. Well, and as you talk about some of it being overdone, 
overdone grit, overdone drive. We don't think of those as being a person of weak character, but if not balanced with ethics, mm-hmm. it, it is. It shows up. The end result is weakness. Yeah, and I think and with ethics, uh, so it's interesting because a lot of times these problems don't, you know, show up while I'm making an ethical decision, right? So what I like to look at it is that uh, people who have strength of character alongside competence. They're bringing the best quality of judgment and decision making, and that means I, I worry less about. Sure, you know, organizations, uh, for-profit organizations, are going to have to deliver shareholder value. Mm-hmm. I typically call that a low bar. Um, there, if if you're aiming for that. Uh, there's a lot, a lot more that you can do, mm-hmm. a lot more that inspires people. They'll deliver the shareholder value, but they can also do a whole bunch of other things, right? Mm-hmm. When you're unlocking strength mm-hmm. of character and competence and bringing that judgment to the work that you do. Therefore, the ethics tends to take care of itself in the process mm-hmm. because it's the quality of judgment that you're bringing. So it sounds like that also gets built into the culture and the systems and processes. You've got it. Boy, right on. Boy, you're a fast learner. <laughs> is that, think about uh, this, is we, we have a, a chart that we set up, a table, mm-hmm. and we look at when character is present, when those 11 dimensions of character are present, what are the behaviors in the organization? Okay. And then picture on the right-hand side, when they're absent, what are the behaviors mm-hmm. in the organization? Mm-hmm. And we ask people, what's the culture that you desire? Mm-hmm. And we typically find that essentially the culture that everybody wants is a culture of character. Mm-hmm. What they're getting is the absence of character. Mm-hmm. So the beauty about this is that if you want to uh, manifest the culture that you aspire mm-hmm. to, what you're doing is investing in the character of the individuals in the organization. Mm-hmm. So largely your culture will be a reflection of the character of the individuals. You know, unfortunately a lot of people just are unconscious of culture. It got mm-hmm. there over a number of years or decades and it is what it is and we don't think about the habits Mm-hmm. and the characteristics that we're really driving to and then the systems that are required mm-hmm. to make those happen. And so I've spent a lot of time prior to my work in character mm-hmm. in the space of organizational learning for strategic renewal, so a lot on the okay. system side of things. And so having spent 20 years in that space, what I do understand is that people have never grasped the strength of character for people to operate in those systems and that you actually put less pressure on the system once you understand if people have the strength of character, Mm -hmm. you actually aren't looking at those systems to try to guide what it is that they do. Mm -hmm. So now we typically look at, if you don't like the culture, look inside. Mm-hmm. Look at your character. Mm-hmm. Look at the behaviors. Culture is ultimately shared mm-hmm. beliefs and values, mm-hmm. right? That gets embedded also in the artifacts of the organization. What happens then, and I'll take uh, Canada Revenue Agency, uh, where they have now hired a new position, Director of Character Leadership. Oh, really? And they select at the executive level on the basis of character as well as competence. So mm-hmm. what they would have looked at is, yes, we want to have this character-based culture, but our systems of HR practice Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of hiring isn't attending to character. So we need to adjust that system. So Mm -hmm. I I think systems follow once you begin to understand character matters, and then how Mm -hmm. are we going to embed it in the organization? And it seems like it has to be both. 
character and competence, you mean? Well, or they also, if we want character, mm -hmm. we also have to create systems. And I realized that if we hired everyone of high character, yeah. we would need less that's on right. the system side. Yes, that's right. But I'm not sure we can only hire people of high. I, because nobody hires people, in, I don't think, that say, I'm looking for people of low character. Yeah. That's generally, at least, I don't talk to people who say, I want low character. Yeah. So a lot of times they don't think about character. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I worked with a professional hockey team and okay. at the NHL Combines prior to the draft. I would be with them to help them understand the strength of character of the players. They all they clearly want competent players. Yeah. But they course. would be one of the few teams that's there interviewing specifically on the on the strength of character. So I think your point is really well taken around, you want your systems to be character aligned. You want to make sure that, for example, in understanding the promotion of leaders, that you're mm -hmm. also thinking about promoting leaders of character as well as competence. Yeah, as you say that, succession comes to mind, that as I'm looking for succession all the way up, yeah. being clear that, that character is a non-negotiable. But to your point, it's it's often un, unspoken and unconscious and not picked for. Right. So our hope is that we bring a science, we bring a, a set of tools around this, like mm -hmm. self-assessments, 360 assessment. We're working on an app where mm -hmm. people could develop on a daily basis, oh, wow. character development, and an understanding about how to align this in all of your HR practices. So the beauty about this is that it's not a tough sell for people to understand that character matters. For the individuals in organizations, they certainly get it. For leaders in organizations, they get it. For boards of directors, they get it. For regulators, they get it. Well, they definitely want it, right? Because it makes their job yeah. easier. So we've got this, I've never seen anything in over 30 years in management uh, research and practice that has such alignment of, amongst all stakeholders and then all of car the full toolkit that allows mm -hmm. us to um, to embrace it. So we're really, I think, on the cusp of, uh, uh, certainly many organizations mm -hmm. already making the change, but the uh, many organizations simply becoming aware of the possibility. Thank you. So as we go on break, I'll invite our listeners to think about where you see character in your organizations and where you see a lapse that now that you know about this framework that you could integrate it. We'll be right back. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute 
offers proven results backed by leading edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. So welcome back. You are with Mary Crossan and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about leader character So can you tell us the list of character items? And for our listeners, I invite you to think about, as Mary's mentioning these, think about on a one to five scale, where would you rate yourself? Okay, so we're going to walk through 11 dimensions of character. We talk about them as the dimensions and then the elements as the behaviors that you would be thinking about to support that. So let's go with some obvious ones. Let's start with judgment. We talked about judgment as equivalent to Aristotle's practical wisdom. It's in the middle of the, um, of the wheel that we talk about in character. So it has, a, it has a lot of behaviors and many that you would be familiar with, being situationally aware. In the case of leaders, this would be a lot of bandwidth, this capacity, you're not looking down at your phone all the time, but you have this ability to be able to scan around you and understand what's going on. You're cognitively complex, that is you can think through things fairly clearly, you're analytical, you're decisive, you're a critical thinker. A piece that we may not be thinking an awful lot about on the cognitive side is also being really intuitive. And that also supports being insightful, pragmatic, adaptable. That it actually has the longest list of behaviors of all of the character dimensions. The interesting aspect about judgment, which is not new to a lot of people, is that those behaviors themselves can operate like a vice if not supported by the other dimensions of character. So for example, it's easy to see if you don't have the humanity that infers or, or supports your decisiveness and being analytical and a critical thinker, uh, you think in a box about those kinds of things. So let's go over to something like humanity, being considerate, empathetic, compassionate, uh, magnanimous, which is a hard word for a lot of people, but it's, it's really being that big spirited individual and a behavior that many of us struggle with, which is being forgiving. Uh, By the way, forgiveness uh, could also be under humility and humanity because you have, when it comes to humility, being able to forgive yourself and humanity being able to forgive others. So a third one is humility. And if we think a a look at humility, it has some really powerful engines for learning, being self-aware, modest, reflective, curious, continuous learner, respectful, grateful, vulnerable. Fourth, integrity. Being authentic, candid, transparent, principled, consistent, 
consider just authenticity alone as a challenge for many people. <laughs> no, therefore yeah. we wonder why it is that people don't act with integrity. Well, they haven't developed the behaviors associated with integrity. So let's go to the fifth one then, temperance, being patient, calm, composed, self-controlled, prudent. Uh, in the earlier segment, we talked about temperance having a big physiological basis to it. Development of temperance, for example, things like yoga, mindfulness, meditation would really be helpful in that area. A sixth area is justice. Uh, that really plays out uh, heavily in areas of understanding diversity and inclusion agendas. What is fair, equitable, proportionate, even-handed, becoming somebody who's socially responsible? Moving on, let's take a look at accountability. You're a person who takes ownership, accepts consequences. You're conscientious and responsible. And I think when you think about something like accountability, you're thinking about how do you grow that, not simply to yourself, to your colleagues, but how do you grow it in terms of your responsibilities in society? Take a look at another dimension, courage. That is being brave, determined, tenacious, resilient, and confident. Perhaps a dimension, now we're moving on to one that many people don't really think about, but I think it provides a lot of horsepower in terms of character, which is transcendence. And the behaviors associated with transcendence are being appreciative, inspired, purposive, optimistic, creative, future-oriented. So consider that you're actually trying to develop those behaviors day in and day out in your life that allow you to cultivate that capacity of being that is really quite uplifting. And in contrast, another dimension of character, we got two more to go here. One is drive. That is becoming a person who is passionate, vigorous, results-oriented, demonstrates initiative, strives for excellence. We want to uh, there distinguish between a person who's driven versus a person who has drive. And this is not about being a perfectionist, but actually understanding what excellence is. And finally, collaboration. Uh, and actually, I realize we have two more to go. We've got collaboration, which is being cooperative, collegial, open-minded, flexible, and interconnected. And because many people talk about teamwork and some degree collaboration, they don't understand that to become a person who's open-minded, flexible, interconnected is actually a challenge. We use practices of things like improvisation to develop collaboration. And finally, humanity. Actually, we did talk about yeah. humanity right at the, at the get-go, so we're all good. We've covered them off. So for our listeners, this is an extremely difficult list of, of words, and I'm thinking things like, I occasionally lack courage. There are times that people do things that really I find in conflict with my values, but they're important to my business, mm -hmm. so I don't speak up as, as much as I would like to. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I can see areas for opportunity. And one of the other ones that stands out, often people resist the word judgment because they think it is judgmental versus discerning. And good judgment is foundational. And it's, it, it for some reason in our society has gotten a bad rap that I'm not supposed to be judgmental. And yet, without solid judgment, I'm not a good thinker. Yeah, you've absolutely hit on some of the key aspects of it. And I think when you think about the development of character, you'd be wanting to think about it along a continuum, in that as you're developing character, you could activate on some of these dimensions 
Uh, we've talked in the earlier segment about using music to activate on facets of character. And as you move to strengthen it, you're talking about how do these dimensions of character interact, support one another, mm -hmm. and how do they hold across context and time? So things that would stress test character, time pressure, for example. Mm -hmm. A lot of people realize I'm not my best self, right, in terms of I'm under pressure. Or I'm exhausted. Uh, or I'm exhausted. And uh, you, what you pick up about that, for something like drive, if you mm -hmm. want to be able to cultivate drive, vitality, mm -hmm. there is a physical quality to it. So you're constantly investing in who you are mm -hmm. that brings that sense of vitality day in and day out. I think that... Uh, when you think about well-being, here's another mm. piece. Many people are exhausted by the end of the day. In the earlier segment, we talked about operating two to three standard deviations from the norm, right? Mm -hmm. Being that person who's operating with excellence. Well, that can be really tiring for people. However, when you're actually operating with strength of character, you bring... I would call it more of an ease about how you operate in that mm -hmm. space. So for example, when you become frustrated with other people and you become impatient with other mm -hmm. people, that actually undermines your well-being. That is the kind of stuff that makes you exhausted. Mm -hmm. But where you have strength and humanity and you begin to understand why people may be resisting something in a particular mm -hmm. way and yet your transcendence is there, you know it to be important, you know it's possible, you've got the drive for excellence around mm -hmm. it, and you've got the temperance that's giving you the patience and calm, you navigate that space more easily and being less exhausted. But you also, in collaboration with others, you know, they don't become all riled up because once you become impatient and impatient oh, yeah, and frustrated, it's right, it's contagious. So that's a piece we didn't get uh, talking about in the last segment, but character is contagious for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting, right, to think about mm -hmm. the fact that people with strong character can activate on the character of others. So you've connected a little bit about well-being, that both well-being is required to have good character, strong character, and that strong character supports also reinforces well-being. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really important connection. In fact, the origins of character has been around well-being. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I've worked with a clinical psychologist who, uh, who shared with me, which I love, this definition of anxiety which is a, a simple calculation, numerator and mm -hmm. denominator. And on the numerator is overestimation of danger mm -hmm. or fear. But our brains are wired for that, and, right? And think about um, the fact, if you think about character, is where you have courage and transcendence and humility, you're less likely to overestimate what that danger and fear mm. is. For example, the fear that many people face is a fear of looking foolish or a fear of looking stupid mm -hmm. or a fear of being judged. And when you have a lot of strength of character, a lot of those fears drop off. The denominator of that formula is underestimating your capacity to deal with it. Ah, right? okay. So now when you think about the personal resource, is that mm -hmm. no matter if you step into a situation that may be unknown or unfamiliar mm -hmm. and you're worried, maybe you're giving a presentation about something, so many people will say to me, how do you do this? It's like, mm -hmm. well, if you have strength of character around these things or you're constantly developing, you are worrying less about what others think about you. You know that if you forget something, uh, you'll just talk about the fact that you forgot it mm -hmm. and you know, you'll be transparent or authentic about it. 
uh, people will likely actually find that fairly humorous. Mm -hmm. And then in that mm -hmm. moment, you'll regain your, your footing and mm -hmm. it's your humanity. You know, people aren't looking for you to be perfect at what, the, what you do. Mm -hmm. What really people are doing is looking at you, you being authentic at what you're mm -hmm. doing. So I love that around well-being, that when you think about common things like anxiety mm -hmm. that many people face, strength of character would help. And quite frankly, I think for your listeners, take a look at any major challenge that you face in your life. You said, if I had more strength in these dimensions of character, mm -hmm. would it help me navigate that? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I had more courage, mm -hmm. I would be able to deal with, I would be willing. I'm not unable. Yes. I, I have chosen not to, in some cases, engage in conversations that I think probably won't matter. Like, why am I going to bother to say right. something to someone yeah. that I think will potentially injure me professionally, but more likely just be ignored. And I love the word you use, choice, because when we talk about character, we really we're talking about mm -hmm. building the possibility of choice for somebody. Mm -hmm. Judgment doesn't tell you what choice you're going to make, but it ensures that you have a choice, because if mm -hmm. you have courage, you have the choice to speak up. You mm -hmm. may not. Right? You, you may, may choose not to, but it's not because you lack the courage to do it. And there's a, a quote from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, mm -hmm. which I quite like. It's between stimulus and response, there's a space. Mm -hmm. In that space is our power to choose our response. Mm -hmm. And in that response lies our growth and our freedom. But I think he underestimated the strength of character required to choose. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is if we can develop these muscles of character, Mm -hmm. then we have the capacity to choose. And it seems like through the conference, every interview I've had has had a bit of choice as a theme. Mm. Whether it's choosing um, sustainable business models, whether it's choosing sustainable energy, uh, whether it's young people engaging in the energy movement that's happening right now. With each of these, there is choice. Where I invest my money, I have choice. I, I can go for the highest possible return, and most of us thinking about retirement, hopefully someday, tend toward that direction. Do I have a different choice that might maximize my values and still make me a reasonable return? And I think that it's interesting, back to the choice, mm -hmm. it's a little bit like the Nike commercial, just do mm -hmm. it. You know, a lot of times when we think about choice, we think about it, well, it's this or that, mm -hmm. you can choose. I, I think the story around character is you actually don't have a choice mm. if you haven't strengthened your character yeah. to make the choice, mm -hmm. to be in a position to navigate mm -hmm. what that choice mm -hmm. is. Lacking humility means that you're protecting your ego, for example, mm -hmm. around thing. Lack of humanity means you may not be aware of all of the positions and mm -hmm. um, issues that people face, for example. Lacking temperance means you lack the patience to be able to actually uh, figure, out, you know, my choices. figure <laughs> out what the choices are. So that's, that's the theme there. So what as an organization, if I want to promote character of my People. Right. I, I heard 360, I heard yeah. an app. Tell me more about what can I do, because this seems really valuable, yeah. if I want to take concrete action. So what we find with organizations around this, um, 
that we typically talk about, well, just start with awareness in okay. the organization. And if I use, I, I mentioned CRA in the last segment, what they started with is um, uh, an executive forum. Um, I think they probably had about 400 of their leaders exposed to wow. what leader character was. Okay. And then there was a leader within that who had mandate around selection of executives. Okay. And then she took off the corner of her desk, wow, we need to think about hiring on character as well as competence, mm -hmm. and then began that particular aspect of it. So every organization we work with has a different entry point, but mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, they will usually start with an awareness workshop and okay. then say, oh, we're working on culture. Mm -hmm. So how might character help us define our culture? Mm -hmm. Or we're looking at uh, performance management, or how mm -hmm. might we be able to do that? Or it's strategic renewal, or it's diversity and in, in, uh, inclusion, or it's compliance. So mm -hmm. character infuses virtually everything you do in the organization with a different quality. So it doesn't really matter where you start mm -hmm. on the agenda, you're going to find yourself affecting all of these uh, really core processes and organizations. So what I hear that's critical is it's not just a workshop. Correct. The workshop kicks things off mm -hmm. and then on the development side, so we typically think about three areas of uh, mm -hmm. investment in, in leader character. One would be the awareness uh, mm -hmm. side of things. One is embedding, uh, a second area is embedding it in the organization, in your HR practices and processes, key okay. processes. And a third is development. And so that development, that's where the app, uh, that's where the self-assessment, 360 assessment mm -hmm. comes in. This is where organizations embed leader character into existing leadership okay. development. And our aim is to make sure that in the hands of every individual is something where they can get their own individual development plan to exercise character on a daily basis. So I could look at the app and it would give me a plan for what I do. That's right. Whether it's improvisation or getting enough sleep. That's right. <laughs> and in some cases, both. That's right. That's right. So how important do you think character is to the ongoing business agenda? And by business, I don't mean just for-profit business. I mean any organizational agenda. You, you, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't, uh, for-profit, not-for-profit uh, sector, any sector, uh, I, I can't, I've never seen anything uh, more important mm -hmm. than this development of character because it just hits on so many levels and I, I think that different people love it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. The individuals in organizations love it because it's about their own personal well-being and mm -hmm. their excellence mm -hmm. in what mm -hmm. it is that they do. I think organizations as leaders love it because they begin to understand, and we call leader character the disposition to lead, that they understand that they need to develop that strength of character throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. And so it's not this sort of hierarchical notion of you know a bunch of leaders who are then mm -hmm. trying to motivate a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other people around what it is that they're mm -hmm. doing. As I mentioned before, regulators, people in compliance, they're going, how do we elevate the quality of judgment and decision-making in organizations so that we can address some of these areas, right, of misconduct? I think in general in society, if we take a look at uh, how we operate, right, mm -hmm. we want that kind of strength of character. Essentially, we want our societies to be reflecting that quality of character in it. Mm -hmm. So we've got this sort of situation in which not only is it critically important, 
but individuals, organizations, stakeholders, they're all on side with what mm -hmm. they need to do, and then all of the tools are in place to do it. Uh, what we continue to talk about is that it's now at the top of corporate agendas mm -hmm. to elevate mm -hmm. character alongside competence, and that's just an exciting place to be. It's exciting, and part of me says it's also going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Even though it's the right thing to do and it makes implicitly perfect sense. Like, no one can make the argument that we want to have an organization with no character. Yeah. But dealing with weak egos and insecurity and things that are wired into the human species yeah. is hard to do. You know, it's interesting that when we're coaching on character, what you typically find in organizations that the very things that are troubling a leader in an organization mm -hmm. are also troubling them outside of the organization. <laughs> yeah. So one of the motivations mm -hmm. that they find about this, so whereas competency is, is, is largely within the organization, mm -hmm. right? You think mm -hmm. about any character is your life. Mm -hmm. And I think when people begin to realize that the very issues that they're facing mm -hmm. personally and professionally are on the same plane, it may be daunting, but there's a lot of motivation to be able to uh, develop and uh, mitigate some of those issues. It's interesting the overlap between your character model and our leader competency model. Mm -hmm. That I, I hadn't thought about when we developed it, how much we baked character in. Mm -hmm. And it, in coaching people, I love that I get feedback that from their spouses and significant others. Like, this has made a big difference in our lives. Mm -hmm not just over there, because that's what you do when you're not with me, but, but their entire lives change. Yeah, and it's, that's exciting to see. So I'll, I'll just add one piece then about, because many organizations have elements of character in their either values or competencies. Mm -hmm. Integrity would be an example. Mm -hmm. We value integrity. Mm -hmm. I say something like integrity, valuing it is like, telling somebody to run a marathon and not train for it. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to thinking about some of these uh, aspects mm -hmm. of character as a value, you're saying, all right, when we understand it as character, now we start to think about how do we train mm -hmm. to live that value we want. Mm -hmm. On the competency side, I, I think that something like collaboration would be often in a competency model. And that's one of the ones that is. It, it is. And, and, uh, what we typically then say, I don't worry about people mm -hmm. changing their competency models, is that understand that often because we've, we pick and choose things mm -hmm. in competencies, mm -hmm. we may have overweighted mm -hmm. uh, implicitly, you know, and we cherry pick a few aspects of things and we put mm -hmm. them in the, in the competency. And then we wonder why we don't actually get collaboration, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. example. So what we do try to help organizations understand is that when you're treating character as mm -hmm. a piece in and of itself, it's a standalone piece, it resides within the individual, there's mm -hmm. a science, there's tools and techniques about being able mm -hmm. to do that, what then you get is that, I use it um, kind of an illustrated example, is that your character is like the roots of a tree system. Mm -hmm. And they bring to the culture of the organization, which is like the trunk, it, it gives you that kind of you know strength in in that that the trunk of the tree, and then your leaves and branches are like your competencies. So your character infuses your competencies with a different kind of quality of life. 
Yeah, it, it, that's interesting because we talk about not only the behaviors but the mindset mm-hmm. that I collaborate because I value input from others. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, it just I see the interconnection, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that um, there is a model, there's a framework, it's well-researched, it's not just stuff people made up, and that there are tools for people to get there. Mm-hmm. So how would our listeners find your research. We're going to publish all of this in blog posts, but that's not enough. How do they reach you? So the best place to be able to to access all of the work that we're doing is through the Inatowitz Institute for Leadership. And uh, you can find that at www.ivy, that's I-V-E-Y dot C-A slash leadership. Um, those would be uh, certainly at the Ivy Business School. Okay. The Leadership Institute is the place to be okay. able to get all of our resources. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. This is absolutely foundational, as you know, to living in this time. Can they get the app there too? Well, the app should be coming out. Our first beta test of it will be coming out in January, so we're pretty excited about that. Okay, and this will air in January or February, so at that point people can at least reach out to the Ivy Business School and see if it's available. Yes, that, in fact, uh, we're really excited about all of the kinds of things that we've got uh, in play, lots of tools available mm-hmm. for this. Well, it seems required that if I want to do it, I can't just think it into being. I have to take action to, to bring it into reality in myself and in my organization. Yes, that's absolutely true. Mary, thank you so much for the work you're doing and for sharing it with our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation that Maureen had with one of our ILA thought leaders. And we look forward to having you join us throughout this 15-podcast series on leadership during these turbulent times. Thank you for joining us at the International Leadership Association Conference Interview Series, recorded live in Ottawa, Canada. We love to hear your feedback. And part of the feedback that really inspires us is letting us know how these interviews have impacted you personally and your organization. Please reach out to me at info at innovateleader.com or on LinkedIn, connect with me as Maureen Metcalf. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.